0: G'day and welcome to another episode of Women's Baseball The Inside Pitch. Over the past couple of seasons of this podcast, we've been chatting to a lot of the great players in the sport who've made a name for themselves in the modern era, which began in around 2000. But today, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it way back over a hundred years to talk about the history of Australian women's baseball. In this epic episode, it is a long one, so make sure you hit the bathroom and get a cup of tea. I talk with Australian baseball history enthusiast, Tanith Harley, who takes us through the origins of Australian women's baseball, which date back to 1909. Tanith will also take us through a full rundown of the 1934 All-Australian Women's Baseball Interstate Series held in Sydney, which is officially the first ever Australian Women's Baseball Championships. We'll go through the teams, the players, the uniforms, the equipment, and a game-by-game recap. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Women's Baseball The Inside Pitch. Okay, we're here for another episode of Women's Baseball The Inside Pitch and my guest today, I'm look—I'm really excited about every guest that comes onto this show, but this is someone who we've actually never met, um, we've never played with each other, we've never played against each other and it's kind of, for all my friends listening to this podcast, they're probably just going to absolutely shriek when I say this. It's like I'm talking to myself. So this podcast could go for (laughs) about five hours because this is really exciting. So welcome, Tanith Harley. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to have you on the show. I am so excited. You're on the show because you, look, I like to think I know a lot about women's baseball and I do. I have a lot in my brain. I have a lot in my house. I have a lot in my computer and I'm always trying to find someone to talk to. And then we stumbled across each other, and I thought I knew everything about women's baseball, and I was wrong.
1: I <laughs> think I think we, we complement each other very well. I have the earlier stuff, and you have all the latest stuff. So I think between us, I think we've um yeah we've got a good knowledge going on.
0: We have had a, quite a few chats about this, and we're so excited about putting this together. And we've got like a little script, and we've got like everything going. But this could be <laughs> ap- This could be chaos. Like if you've seriously tuned in.
1: I think if you let us run, yeah, we would just keep going. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this could be like a ten-part podcast series that I think we're just going to put in. So if this if this is five hours in the start of it, look, yeah, you've you've yeah. you've <laughs> downloaded it. Good luck. You introduce me to the fact that there the history of Australian women's baseball goes well, 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 well before what I thought it did, which was mid nineties in Victoria, two thousand and one, the first Australian team, and and the era that I've played in. And then here you are throwing me photos and just sending me dozens of pictures of stuff in the 1920s, 1909, 1930s. Who are you? So that's my first question. Who are you? Yeah. Where are you
1: talking to us from? Okay. So I am in Newcastle at the moment in New South Wales. I am originally from Canberra, which is where my love for baseball started. Um, Oh, with the bushes. Um. The old Canberra Bushrangers, which I spent every single waking moment out at their games trying to – I claim it as my first job, but I pretty much um, just was at the merchandise stand helping out, um, helping set up the field. I just wanted to be there. So, um, yeah, grew up in Canberra, played t-ball, played baseball like so many kids, I think, in the early 90s, late 80s did. Um, And certainly when A League of Their Own came out, that was – that was it yep. like for so many young, <laughs> young girls around that time. Um, and I played baseball. I was the only girl on the team again, like right, so many, yep, I know that story. I think so, so that. many players. So that happened for quite a few years. But from that, I just developed this love for baseball. Um, I used to collect cards, go to all the Bushranger games, help out as much as I can. Um, and that's actually where We'll get into this, but this is where I got my first piece of memorabilia, my first game used item, which the players that had come over from the States to play for the Bush Rangers, I kind of befriended and um, they ended up giving me their bats and their balls and all sorts of things that they played with, which had the Yankee stamp on it. So oh, wow. that was really thrilling for me as a young kid, um, just wanting to be around baseball. So that's kind of where it started um and then it's just grown from that more so in wanting to know everything about it um I love history and I love learning and I love collecting so it's evolved from being a young kid collecting the cards getting those bats when I was you know in my very I don't even know how old I was 92 so I don't know like 10 11 12 around that time um and, it, yeah, it's just grown from there.
0: So who was your favourite
1: player on the Bush Rangers? Well, look, I, it's terrible to say I loved the Americans because I thought they were so <laughs> exciting. Um, we had Lou Hill. We had Billy Coleman. But Phil Brassington, I actually thought, was a great guy. And um, he he was, you know, yeah, he, he was – how do I put it? He was just – he was really good with the kids and he was good to be around and he was – yeah, I don't know don't know where he is these days but um he was a really good influence on the younger kids yep. so i thought Phil Brassington was a great guy back then
0: we first chatted over i think instagram like ages ago you were talking about your collection and i was absolutely blown away cuz you have what i mean you seriously could have a museum on a on <laughs> women's baseball memorabilia and we'll go through that but what so you talk about the stuff you got from the bush rangers what was it that sparked mm. your interest in so obviously the league of their own, but what was it you went, yeah, I'm
1: going to go and start collecting all this stuff. And what was the first? What's well, about? look, I think I always, my parents loved antique stores and they used to drag us to every antique store as kids driving around Australia. Um, and both my grandparents had a had a tendency to hold on to lovely old items. So sort of a, an appreciation and a love for antiques and vintage collectibles started very young. Um And I just got into it and I loved, when I did start to get pieces that were old, I desperately wanted to know the history behind them. And I wanted to know the story and I wanted to know who had it and where it had been. And I think from that love growing up and then being so passionate about baseball and knowing that there's such history to baseball. I mean, in America, you just have the most wonderful stories and wonderful collectors. And I am a very, very small fish in the world of collecting. People have... The most amazing um, collections. So I think just having a piece, especially with baseball memorabilia, when you when I feel the old leather of a glove, mm. or look at the bat, or you know I have an obsession about um, catcher's equipment. So when I see the old chest plates and the shin guards, I just it's like it transports me back yeah. to when they might have been used, and I just want to know who had them and who played with them, and and so I think having that influence from my parents and my grandparents as a a young child and then having a love for baseball they just meet so well um and that's kind of how it evolved and how that how that started so no I
0: hear that because I think I'm the same I'm really uh visual on the pictures and it's like all the pictures you've been um sending me I I just look at the players and I go who are they why do they start playing baseball what like what position, what do, they, what do they do outside of baseball? And my, my grandfather was a photographer and I think it's like stems from that. But uh, it's funny because I collect women's baseball. I've got every book that's been written on women's baseball. And it's funny, I think you've got every item that's listed in my books of <laughs> from women's baseball. Um, but you said that your first vintage piece was a 1920s catcher's mitt, but your most significant is a, and I can actually see it behind you, Um, it's a pretty smick looking red dress. I was just so glad I didn't play back then. I'm not sure I would have been wearing these dresses. It's not. No. So what is that? What is
1: Molly's and why is that so significant to you? So, I mean, I have a lot of pieces that I love and appreciate and I think are just so wonderful. Um, the reason why I love this Molly's uniform. So I came across this uniform through a collector gentleman that I know in the States and, um, he has an incredible collection and he kept saying to me over a few years, oh, I've got this uniform. I've got this uniform. And I kept saying, oh, look, yeah, maybe we'll see. And then once I started to really think about women's history and start reading the books, I got really intrigued by the other teams, not just the all American girls, not just the bloomer girls, but all the other barnstorming and um, players and teams that were out there. So, I said, okay, I'll have a look and I'll do a bit of research on it first. And I started to look up who the Mollies might have been. And it just sort of, with the help of the wonderful author, Mary Fiddler, I have to big shout out to her because she was so helpful in this. Um, It kind of uncovered this story of of this women's team back in um, the early 1950s in America. And they based their league, they based their team very much so on the All-American Girls. And they were a barnstorming team in Hagerstown and they started to travel around America and play just men's team. they were a fully female team and they played only men's team. And they had a lot of women actually from the all American girls that came in. Um, and just from actually uncovering this information and, and there was a, there was a very, very small amount of information out there. Um, when I Googled, I think one image or one document came up. So to be able to, look into that and it took months and months and months all the way through COVID lockdowns and back surgeries and all sorts of things. Um, it was, it really opened up the world of research and researching women's baseball for me. Yep. And so I ended up buying this uniform and it's the same style, the same design as the all American girls. Um, and it just, for me, it represents how much, women's baseball there was and how much there is out there and so much more to learn and find and discover and research. So the reason that's the reason why I love it, because it it opened up this opportunity mm. to find out more and, and to bring the story. So I wrote an article, a short history article and I submitted it to the Sabre and the International Women's Baseball um, Centre conference they have um, for women in baseball. So I sent it into that and, you know, had some great feedback and have shared it with members of the collecting community and and people all around. And it just, yeah, I just love it because not only did, you know, perhaps an All-American Girl player wore it, I'm not sure, but, you know, someone wore it and they played women's baseball against the men in the 50s and they were out there playing and they were recognised and they were reported about and they were, you know by all accounts a very good team. So I just I love it for for the history it has and I love it for what it, it means to looking into women's baseball. I
0: love, I love it. I just love the I love the story and I love the passion that you have. How many pieces do you have now? And
1: spanning Look, what
0: what are eras
1: If you count photographs, hundreds. Um in terms of actual pieces, I, I haven't actually counted it. I started to catalogue it and, and just lost track. Um, so my earliest pieces, I mean, I have a broad range. I have other items too. I was very much into the 20s baseball, sort of the Babe Ruth era, the Lou Gehrig, um, you know, the Cubs, that sort of that joyous time of baseball as well. Mm. Um, but in terms of women's baseball, you know, I have uh, postcards probably from the late 1800s. Wow. Um, and some photographs and then leading into um, sort of the bloomer girl age. I have a couple of postcards, which was a very common thing back then to have photographs on a postcard. Um, so I have a few of them and then we sort of move into the thirties. Um, I have a lot of softball items as well. And I think that's really important because so many of those women did play softball and baseball mm, and they crossed over and, there were some really great players and great teams in, in the softball um, era as well. So going thirties and then we kind of get into the all American girls, which was such a significant point of collecting for me and something I was so wanting to be part of. And, but also to, when I've come across say a collection of photos and maybe a seller has tried to break them up and sell them off. I very much try to keep them together. Yep and keep the collection together just so that we can preserve them. So we can look after them so that we can document them. And then eventually they can go to the right museum, yep. which is what I would like to do eventually with most of my collection. Um, certainly all the all American girls pieces I have found because they have been for sale and I want to make sure that they are safe and that they um, are documented and they're well-preserved. So I have a number of game balls, which I think are probably part of my favourite things in the collection. Um, they're so great because they they um, transitioned through the balls so much as well. So they really changed in shape and size and look and the logos and and the companies that made them. So it's a really great um, transition from the, the start of the league all the way through to the end of the league. Yep. Um, and it shows the journey as well that they did that they had with their rules and their, um, their playing regulations. So, but I love the photos. I think as part of my, you know, real interest into looking further is that you get these snapshots and some of them are from the crowd. So you're seeing through people's hats and glasses and, you know, top hats, if we're talking way back at the turn of the century or in the thirties, the fantastic hairstyles, and you're seeing them look down on the field at the players. And they're just fantastic. I think that really shows the love for the game and the people that went. And um, there's so many great photos. And I I just, I really, I love the photos so much.
0: You and I yesterday were saddened when we saw that Shirley Berkovich had passed away. Like that.
1: Very sadly. yeah.
0: Shirley played um, for about three seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Her and Mabel Blair were, if, she, if they in a World Cup, was it really a World Cup? Like they were <laughs> everywhere. Just, they, we play now because they played. And Shirley passed away yesterday at 89 and people were sharing all these photos and you've got those set-up shots of them on their knees with their little baseball cards and team photos. But there was this one photo that stood out to me in one of the the tweets and on Facebook that it was her, she was just like making this like funny face at the camera, it must have been after a game and she's walking off, she had a glove and it's like, it was just like a photo that I'd seen a thousand times of me or my teammates and it kind of just almost – just what you said before i was like i was there on that day with her and it's kind of you and i talk so much about these stories that you, we want to tell and it's like every time one of these players passes away it's so it's just so sad for for that era and women's baseball and everything and like part of you keeping this collection is just so awesome to keep the stories alive
1: yeah absolutely and i think you know there are so many side stories as well about what they went through and what they how hard they had to work, and in particular, you know, the all Americans was so they were so pri- you know so not privileged. They were lucky, that, and they worked hard. Yeah. They worked really hard to get where they were, and they were well deserving. And I think we are so lucky as the you know generations along that we have all this history and all this knowledge. And the people that work for the association, um, you know, Mary Fiddler and and Carol Sheldon and the others, they have the most amazing knowledge. Um, and I think they're lucky. We're lucky that we have them that can, and can follow on the legacy and follow on these stories and they won't be lost. Now the all American girls won't be lost. We've got their stories. They've influenced generations to come. Um, and I think it's, that's so wonderful, but it's all this sort of the other the teams around them and the other women that got to play yeah. that us, that we are losing those stories. Um, so if I could spend every waking moment looking them up and researching them, and I know there are so many people out there doing that, I think I think we just need to have like a collective, um, yeah, storybook for um, all the things we find.
0: The International Women's Baseball Center are trying to get a place of their own. They're trying to get that um, museum. Do you think that you would um, provide some of your items? And I understand. Can you talk to us? You you've been providing for the new TV show for like for anyone that doesn't know there. There's a new league of Aaron t-, t TV show coming. I mean, I'm just like hurry up, I want to see it. But you're yes. you're like giving stuff to the TV show. This is the kind of level of stuff that you've got.
1: Like <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that was that kind of came to me by chance actually. There's there's a great um a great gentleman called Stephen Keeman who runs a um baseball collective um website and Facebook page and and it's a great community on there. I've met some wonderful wonderful people and collectors. And he reached out to say that the prop buyer for the show was looking for some women's catches gear and wanted to know more about the equipment they used. And early on when I started to get interested in researching stuff, one of my side passions was trying to work out what equipment they used in the All-American Girls League. Yep. Um, I was really interested to know if they played with baseball gloves or softball gloves, if they were provided the catchers gear or if they had to go out and buy them themselves, did they wear metal cleats? So I had a personal project of trying to research that, which is incredibly difficult from Australia. Um, And there were some very helpful people, yeah, in the States trying to help me, but it's kind of until I get there and and can actually go and see these pieces. It's been a really hard project. But anyway, so he, um, the prop buyer reached out and we had, a number of conversations by email about what equipment they used what bats they used and I was trying to give him a good timeline of the catcher's gear that they would have had um because it did change over the years and there are specific um like chest plates that weren't around in 1943 44 but they were around in 49 so it just depended what year they were going to film and all this sort of stuff so um Basically, he said, you know, do you have any stuff that you want to sell? And I was like, well, no, I I, I wouldn't give it up. No way. No, I don't really sell these things. These are, you know, my, apart from my real children, who I obviously love (laughs) and adore, these are my other babies. (laughs) So um, I did end up, I did have one um, chest protector, which was actually a really, really good one. Um, in New York with, with my dear friend so I said look if you're if you're really in need you can you can have this one so I had that one sent off to him and which is great because it was really it was um really specific to the time period that they were going to film um, and it was a great example it had the inside cups which you get on a chest protector which you got back then Um, yeah so I ended up giving giving that to the show and um, a whole lot of um, paperwork and photos and info for for further research of what they might want to use, that so. is awesome. Where so that was good. Do
0: you even you have your name in the TV credits? Surely, no, oh, no,
1: no, way. no. Small all the way down, all the all the way down the list. I'd
0: love. Um, Tani Lovering was a guest, and I've had um, Veronica Alvarez, who was a catcher for the U.S. team, the now U.S. coach. I'd love to see those guys put on some 1944 gear and try and catch oh, them. I, have I mean, we've all seen the gloves that they used to wear in the 20s. I'm like, it was just a like putting a chamois on your hand I don't know how they did it you had reached out to me I think it was during COVID and then we started talking about nationals and you came to me and you told me because here I am thinking the first Australian women's nationals was in 2000 in Melbourne like yeah yep cool we're up to the 21st nationals 22nd nationals and you were like nope no women's baseball was around nearly 100 years before that and I was like nah she's shitting me no chance no and you have i'm this is just i'm absolutely frothing over this everyone like uh, everyone like at baseball obviously just wrapped up my season last week i was just like oh my god you've got to see this picture every day i was like oh my god she's talking about it again and then they're like you see me in the photos I go, look at this look at that it's 1909 look at yep. the bats look at the hair tell me what like yeah where how women's baseball started in australia
1: so, we have a very rich history of women's baseball in Australia, one that ha- I feel has been somehow forgotten mm. and somehow missed, um, and which I think now is why we're so excited yes. because there it is just so rich and it's so exciting. So, yes, bear with me because I do <laughs> get really excited talking about this. So baseball in Australia for girls and females and women, actually really dates back to 1909 when they introduced it at the state schools in Tasmania of all places um I'm not entirely sure that the journey of baseball to Tasmania I know it was around because they played the I think the first Australian men's championships in Hobart in around 1910 maybe I don't know I'm not entirely sure but obviously baseball was in Tasmania so 1909, they actually um, had a state school girls' baseball competition. And so that actually carried on for many, many years. Um, they It was really popular. Quite a number of schools played it. They even played American boys' teams. The girls when, played you know. boys. Yes. And were very good by all accounts. So that really, as, as much as I can find, is really the first sort of grounding for saying we're going to start doing baseball as a sport for girls or women. From there, over the next few years, it started to pick up in, again, Western Australia, all the way over there in Perth. They played it from, um, uh, throughout Perth and Fremantle. I think, I believe they had 18 teams of girls' schools playing, um, and they played under American baseball rules. So over. Um... I'm not sure. I believe so. Wow. That's that's what it's been quoted as doing. Um and so 18 teams was quite a you know quite a lot in 1910 in yeah. Western Australia. Um and so that again is another strong foundation in, in the opposite side of the country. Um from there the other states started to pick up. We've got New South Wales, Victoria. Um you know and and it started to be recognized in the newspapers. There there was a there was quite a few quotes I remember seeing, you know, Baseball for girls—a new movement—and if a female could catch a fly ball that you know whizzed past her in the in the in the stadium, then why can't she play the game? So it was starting to be recognised really early on, sort of um, you know, nineteen fourteen, nineteen fifteen. So that's how—that's really, I believe, the foundations of baseball for females in Australia.
0: What were the other options for girls? I mean, obviously now amazingly, we've got – if you want to play sport, you can play it as a woman. And when I was growing up, it wasn't really an, an option. But I can't imagine women back then, A, being allowed or it's favoured or no. it's seen as ladylike to, A, play sport. But baseball back then as being an option, I would have thought they would have been doing croquet or t-
1: tennis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, I think there was a... – <laughs> Starting of a movement to have athletics for girls in schools. And I think perhaps they felt it was a safe place if they did it within the school um, curriculum and the school environment to start moving a little bit more freely into playing sport. I'm trying to work out why
0: baseball. Like how did suddenly, was it an American, like obviously there's American influence, but the choice of women playing baseball in the 1910s Uh in that kind of life and that kind of, it's just, it's fascinating to me why baseball suddenly was an option because it's.
1: Yeah. Look, I don't know. I don't know what, what, where the strong influence was to come in and, and do baseball of all things. I think. Yeah. Yeah. When we had cricket and there was tennis and there was all sorts of other athletics going on. Um, maybe because it was a new and exciting game, maybe because it was foreign. Um, maybe that's where, where the, you know that excitement was in it mm. so i don't know i, I mean i'm I'd, glad they yeah. did pick it up yeah.
0: <laughs> no it's fascinating and and then like in the late 19 like 19 like 15 1970 17 it hit victoria and then it started a massive tournament in called the austin cup which basically
1: was this tell me about yeah. that so um around 1915 1916 in victoria They created a girls' public school association baseball competition, which basically, again, was all um, schools across Greater Melbourne. And they battled it out each year for the Austin Cup trophy. And this started, I've been in touch with the lovely uh, um, archivist at the school, and she has been really great and sending me all their documents and photos. And they have folders, just these glorious folders of each year who played in the team, who they played against, what the weather was like um, and how they played. And they really, it really started a, a strong movement in Victoria. And the Geelong Church of England um, Girls Grammar School won the the Austin Cup for at least 10 years straight. And um, I think this was really important. Um, standing in, in Victoria because they produced some really great women baseball players later on. And so we're, we're talking, you know, 1917, they started um, to win and they played baseball. they You know, they, they had baseball bats, they had baseball gloves. It wasn't a large softball, they had a baseball. What their actual rules are playing, I'm not entirely sure. Um, that's still something to be looked into. But, yeah, it was a really great, great competition and great tournament and it went well into the 1940s um so I think that's really where Victorian baseball for women started
0: that's amazing and we think it was 1994-95 when Grant Weir who was the first Victorian coach first Australian coach is now on the board of baseball Victoria played for Australia at the Olympics in men's baseball he started a league in here in in Melbourne which is Now I think Victoria would have to have the longest continuing women's baseball competition in the world um, at nearly 30 years. But it's like, and we will put photos on Instagram, we'll put photos on Facebook and we'll put some links to this podcast, but you've sent me a whole heap of photos already. And I put them on my big screen TV the other night and I sent a photo to you and I was like, just had them up. And I was like, you sent me match reports from, and I want to read this little match report you sent through from the 9th of November 1918, Geelong versus PLC. And it says, strong wind against batsmen, very hot. No pad on home base, at least 15 yards from home base to fence. No net, no line from pitcher and home base. Opponents made no attempt to avoid being hit by the pitcher's (laughs) ball. Difficulty in hearing the opponents' umpires' balls and strikes. A dispute saw one decision being out on strikes and then it says it appeared the girls. I can't read It's it's handwritten in like, mm. it's probably in a quail's. It, yeah. Feather. It's
1: fountain pen. It's beautiful, isn't it?
0: It is amazing. And it's just like all of it, it looks like my grandmother's writing. Like it's just, and they want it toss. It was at East Melbourne. Like I just look at that and I go 1918, like we're talking world war one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was strong and it kept going and they, were it was in the newspaper. They had photographs of the girls playing in the newspaper, and it had their score every week, and it it publicised and reported who won, what match was coming up. So really, the the sporting pages back then were were really supportive of women and girls playing baseball. God, what happened? Because I mean, all we do all we do now is try and fight for women's sport in
0: newspapers and newspapers in the media, and we're getting weekly reports of women's baseball in the during a world
1: war. <laughs> Oh, and it gets better. I mean, the, we'll get into it, but the twenties and thirties was just so wonderful and supportive for women in sport.
0: You're saying that it would continue to be played in the twenties by un, at unis, like universities were playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've come across this, and there's not a huge amount of um, reports that I can find or information, but yeah, it moved into the universities because they actually had uh, a university challenge um later on which surprisingly enough has South Australia in it which there are no real talk of women playing baseball there was actually talk against women playing baseball in the 20s and 30s in Adelaide so but yes the 20s it it really took off from the, the school playing into high schools universities and then independent leagues and independent teams so um, it, it definitely gained strength throughout the early 20s. And by the late 20s, we had women baseball leagues, mainly in Brisbane and Sydney, um, but they were strong. You know, you had teams like Nestle, David Jones, Arnott's had a team. So so it's like the Japanese, like the men's, how they have those, the, the, the trade teams, the
0: corporations that have those leagues. So we had women's baseball leagues with, Major corporations sponsoring these teams in the 1920s in Australia. See, this is why I just sit here and just I could talk about this all day, and my jaws on the. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I don't yeah. believe you.
1: No, well, it, it's there, and <laughs> it, it was great. Like, I mean, what I wouldn't give to go back and see these women play. But, oh my god, yes. Um, so it was really, it was really starting to to gain momentum, and um you know by the late late 1920s and i think you said we put we'll put some things up but there were full page in the weekly newspaper i have I have it here and it's called in the world of women's sport and it's an entire page dedicated to women's sport not only promoting but um, reporting suggesting encouraging so we're talking about you know at the turn of the late 1920s going into the 30s saying to women and, and girls and females, get out there, play this baseball game, do tennis, do croquet, do fencing, whatever the, the sport might be that they're suggesting. And so people and women were coming out more and more to play these games. Wow. And I just I don't like like you say now, how do we even get a full page dedicated to women's sport, <laughs> let alone that, you know, one we that seem is to
0: always be fighting for it now. Yeah. And it's like they were
1: they really were. And this was, a, this was a weekly, this is in the Sunday Times. This is a weekly, wow. and weekly And we will page. put
0: some of this up, like some of this, the stuff that you sent me is just, I can't get enough of it. And you've only just sent me a tiny bit.
1: Tiny bit, yeah. Um, And, you know, they were, the way they reported, and there were some great photos in there as well, you know, of saying that the girls are getting really excited to get out on the diamond and then when they hear play ball, like that's what they want to do and they want to get out there and they've got their bats <laughs> and their gloves and, and we're not talking – we're talking – softball hadn't even been in, introduced in Australia.
0: Yes. So that's one of the things we'll talk about. Like we're, we're, we're in the 20s now and we've already been playing for 20 years. Softball hasn't hit Australia. No. All-American Girls Professional Baseball is still another 15 years away. And if you asked everyone, most people would just go, oh, All-American Girls Baseball League was the first ever thing. And obviously yep. we know there was Bloomer Girls and – Lizzie Arlington, everyone back at the turn of the century, it was us nerds. Um, but most people go, oh, no, softball was here. It's like, no, we beat both of them.
1: No, we, yeah, absolutely. And we had a really strong women's baseball league or leagues in Australia. The three main states that it was really, really strong in initially, the, the founding states were were Queensland, Victoria and New South Wales. But you know they played they played summer and soon you know getting into the 30s they introduced the win- the winters comp, the winter comp as well um yeah this wasn't just let's go out and and have a game of rounders or have a game of softball this was baseball they were playing and it was getting baseball. and
0: yeah. it was getting serious too because in the, the 1930s and when people think 30s I mean I think depression I think if, if I think of sport I think you think of Obviously, Babe Ruth, who was coming to the end in 1932, 31. In Australian sport, you think Don Bradman, Farlap. Yep. That's what you think in the 1930s. 1931 uh, started to form some of these leagues. They started forming associations and they, they were getting
1: 4,000 people to games in Sydney. Right. So, I mean, 1930, like you said, Bradman and Farlap, very big, broke work records. I think people were turning to sport um, in Australia and I think that can't just be classified as as men turn to sport in Australia I mean women turn to sport in Australia as well there was actually um a great great article that said that um there is a greater number of women playing organized sport in Australia than any other country in the world per population proportion of the population so women were coming out in great numbers to play and baseball being this exciting game where they got to run around they got to hit balls. They got to throw. It wasn't as reserved as perhaps some of the other athletic type games were.
0: Um, well, I had to wear full – like you think of some of the pictures back from those eras of tennis like Suzanne Longlong and all, uh, long, all of those. They are wearing full dresses and hats and like yeah. I guess baseball. They're just getting out there in the mud and I guess all the reasons we love it.
1: Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting – I think it's a really interesting point that – you know, we were going into the depression here, yet I I guess they, they turned to sport and, and they started to come out. And by 1930, New South Wales created a women's baseball association. And this was the first baseball association for women in Australia and quite possibly the world. We are, wow. I am looking into this further and I have had some um, communication with some um, wonderful people in America that know more about this, Um. Then we're not certain it's the first, but it's definitely one of the earliest.
0: I tell you, even though I am a Victorian, and I, I, I will let the New South Wales girls have this. They will let us. They'll let us know about it. But I'll let them if they're the first <laughs> in the world. That's all right. I wish it was Victoria, but it's okay. well, it's really interesting <laughs> because
1: they were playing baseball for you know the girls were playing baseball in Victoria for a really long time prior to this. So it's yeah, I'm not sure why they hadn't. Maybe because within the school um, the school association, it was big enough, so they just kept mm-hmm. moving along with that rather than forming a, a new new association, but which New South Wales did. Um, and and, like you say, you know we we go on a year and four thousand people, over four thousand people went to the domain to watch the first games of the New South Wales Women's Baseball Association. You know that, they came out. they came out, they wanted to see it, it they wanted to watch away. it. Yep. And that's when you had the teams like Arnett's and, and Nestle and all that playing. Um, and that's how big it was. Like it was, it was big and it was recognized and appreciated. So I think, I think that's a really wonderful piece of history that we sh- we have to hold on to and we have to remember that, you know, this was this was a big sport at the turn of the century. Oh, sorry, the turn of the the tech, the turn of the decade.
0: And they played in the domain too. Yeah. we played a lot of regional baseball. We played a lot of regional towns, and and they're playing in the center of Sydney. Yeah, it's like in the domain, they're getting four thousand people. I'm like, I just wish I had a DeLorean and I could go back and oh, wouldn't it be great? Watch this, but like we see 1931 Queensland women's baseball association yep. the 1933 victorian women's baseball association i'd love to meet the people on those boards i'm on a board now i'd love to have seen those women like i'd imagine it just would have been run by
1: women like the country women's association
0: you wouldn't mess with them I reckon.
1: and it and it was and this is a really great fact about women's baseball in australia was that they really wanted to be self-managed by women they wanted this to be wholeheartedly women's baseball associations so they had secretaries presidents Coaches, they ended up um, training coaches, um, umpires. They, they set new um, umpire training so that women could umpire their games as well. Um, wow. Chaperoned by women. It, yeah, it was just, it was all about the independence of women and being strong and, and playing baseball and being able to manage baseball and manage in state tours and travel. And mm. so, yeah, I think that's a really important point to, to point out with that.
0: And obviously the, the women got it done because like you think 1931, 33, just a couple of years and they're form, you're forming all the state associations and then in 1933 all the states got together and had a meeting and then they formed the All-Australian Women's Baseball Association. So we're like 1933. It, yeah. I mean my history's again, it's not great, but we're in the height of the depression. We're in a depression period. Yeah, very and they're much they're just so. going, we're just not, nah, we're just taking over Australia with women's, women's baseball.
1: Yeah yeah so they met in nineteen thirty three there was um a couple of interstate competitions in nineteen thirty three um, one in Queensland where New South Wales went there, and then one in Victoria where New South Wales went there. so not all three states didn't meet um to play against each other. They had two separate competitions. but through those competitions, they met to have a meeting with the discussion to form one body to govern women's baseball in Australia. and so they had that meeting, they, they drafted up some ideas and, and plans um, with the view that in 1934, they would hold the first Australian women's baseball competition or series or nationals. Or, um, So, yeah, and that's how much it grew in just a few years. So then by 1934, um, April 16, which is the date I've got in my head, uh, drilled in my head was the day that they agreed and formed the association, All Australian Women's, which, you know, by all accounts, the newspaper reports it as history being made. Um, and I think that's really significant Significant, and I think that's fantastic. Um, so, yes, they formed the association um, with the following days to have the um, the championship series.
0: See, so this, we were all wrong. The 2,000 championships that Victoria won at Altona.
1: Yep. No, okay. got to go back. Go back. <sighs> go back to the
0: black and white photos. This oh, – on so 1934, the first Australian women's baseball championships. So, so look, look, we're going to go through this, this national – and I think the fascinating thing with these are, so we're recording this and we're – well, I don't know why I'm looking at my watch, but 10 days away from uh, – roughly from the 2022 Australian women's national championships that are going to be held in Adelaide. Really exciting because the last two, 2020 and 2021 women's nationals were cancelled. So we haven't had a nationals here for three years and the World Cup was cancelled in 2020. So women's baseball is here, has been crying out for something. Um, and it's so exciting. It's almost the same dates, 88 yes. years ago.
1: Yeah, which I think is just brilliant, I think.
0: Okay, we're going to go through this. We're going to talk yep. about the games. We're going to talk about the, all of
1: it. Yep. Um, let So where was it? That's the first thing. It... Okay. So April 16th, they, they formed April 17th. They started um, and it was at the Sydney University, which is smack bang in the middle of Sydney, you yeah. know, Glebe around that area. Yeah. And they played, um, they set up their square. I don't know if you've been to the Sydney University or if you've seen it. It's I have. I had, I had lofty building.
0: aspirations of going to Sydney Uni. I wasn't quite smart <laughs> enough, but I did tour the campus.
1: So there is what they called the square and it's a beautiful grass space, which is still used for sporting events now um, outside some of the buildings. And they transformed that into some baseball fields. So they held the first championship series there and Queensland and Victoria travelled to Sydney to compete in these. Um, Something that I, I find really interesting about this was when the teams arrived, they were met by the the Lord Mayor and the Lord Mayoress at the Town Hall for a civic reception.
0: And if you go to the Town Hall in Sydney, they still do that. That's where all the Olympic teams go. It's where all the fancy things happen. You go to the Town
1: Hall, you are someone, right? So they welcomed the teams. They introduced them. They got the reporters to come to <laughs> mark this event because they thought it was so significant. Um, and they, in the following days they held dinners and dances and receptions for the players and for the teams because they just thought it was so so important to create this ongoing relationship for women's baseball in Australia and keep and keep having these championship series with, within the states so i think that's really i think it's just so great that they were just so welcomed and it was it was just so important to them to make them feel and and rightly so um, that this was an important historical event Hmm. wow so
0: so they go there they have their fancy do with the mayor and the mayoress. the tournament's on so we've got three teams yep what are we what are we talking format um so we play each other once so is that every team plays each other once yes so there was only
1: three games um in which it was it was a point scoring um format so whoever had the most points at the end won the, won the series and what they did decide would happen is that on the final day which was the 21st of April that they would have selected from the from the teams an Australian team the first ever Australian women's baseball team which would be selected to play a game on the final day against um, a team built of the best players from around Sydney that weren't in the state team um, and they would play an exhibition game so oh, that's a that's a tough ask for those girls right? from Sydney. Just going,
0: hey, hey, girls! You just been watching this game. Go and play the best in Australia.
1: Yeah, oh. and so that is really significant because it was classed as the highest honor you could have for a women, uh, a female baseball player in Australia. Obviously, was to be selected for this um, Australian team. And on that, fast forward a few years. Um, Australia was in conversation with Japan and America about having a tournament. So I believe that when they chose this Australian team and New Zealand late much later on, when they chose this Australian team, it was with the view to travel overseas and or have them come to Australia and have this international competition. So it wasn't just, let's just pick an Australian team and say that you're the best. And it was with the view to well and truly Carry on, but obviously, you know, as the thirties happened and then World War Two and that kind of, it didn't happen. So, I think um yeah, it's 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 such a shame that it didn't really, we'll get to that, but it didn't really involve much further, um because of the war. But yeah, that was that was the, the the final moment of that series.
0: You're shattering all the glass for me. So the nationals isn't the first nationals, and now the Australian women's team that was named in two thousand and one isn't the first Australian women's team technically. So. And we will get back to that. Yes. So we're playing the Sydney Uni. There's three yep. teams. Yep. I want to know, what, what are they playing? What format of baseball? So we
1: overarm, what, what are they? What are the base paths? What, yep. what are the fences? What are... Well, we're playing baseball. We're playing baseball with a hard ball. It is slightly smaller than your standard nowadays MLB ball, So, which is about nine inches, a bit over nine inches, and they played with an eight-and-a-half-inch ball. Um, But it was a baseball. They threw yep. overarm. Um, which is funny enough, Victoria had been playing some form of underarm, which they swiftly gave up and threw overarm. Yeah, so with the base paths were um, 75 feet apart and the pitcher's mound was 50, so slightly smaller than a baseball um, and slightly bigger than softball. Um, But fences, still working on on what the fences might have been, but But I don't think. That tells me there probably (laughs) wasn't
0: any fences. They just ran it out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah my... well you know they do talk about hitting home runs and and hitting the grand slams and and that sort of thing so at some point they must have called it a home you know like that's where your boundaries whether or not there was a line
0: there's probably just a line back then 75 feet bases i mean now i'd like that that would be awesome I don't have to, I've run 15 feet left, Unless I'm not going to lie. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want to face some of the girls that throw now at, or any stage of my career throwing at 50 feet, taking 10 feet off some of these girls that are throwing. Genevieve Beacon throwing 85 or 50 feet. Yeah. No thanks. Um, <laughs> what's the uniforms? Like the uniforms. you've sent me some photos. Oh, the
1: uniforms, my goodness. Sorry, I get so excited. What I wouldn't give to go back and see these uniforms, or to find one. Um, if anyone out there has a relative, or someone, or in a museum that they know of that has these uniforms, please, please, please let me know. I just, I... Want to, I just need to see it with my own eyes.
0: <clears throat> well, I reckon you and I, it's going to be a fight to the death. There is an Australian uniform from nineteen thirty-four. Oh, well,
1: yeah, that's that's the holy grail, isn't it? Oh, I um, would
0: probably, yeah. yeah. I'll put some money out for that. Yeah, so what are we talking? What are they wearing? Are they, are they wearing the same?
1: Are they no. Different? So although they were completely governed by a whole lot of rules and regulations that they all had to abide by, uniforms wasn't one of them. So they each state it varied and I think they just got to pick what they wanted. I think it's, it's really fabulous. Victoria really stuck with their schoolgirl image um, and they had these, one has been described as royal blue tunics White blouses, black ties, um, no stockings and what looks like school shoes. Um, So they play,
0: hang on, they played in a tie.
1: They have ties on,
0: yes. I always laugh because we play a sport with a belt on. Right. People telling me that they played with the tie on. This just gets better. This is amazing. Full
1: blouse. um, And that's what they played. That's how they played in 1915, 16, 17. um, And that's still how Victoria played in 1934. Um, Queensland in true Queensland, it must be hot up there. Um, had full white uniforms, head to toe white. They had little sun visors. They had these white, um, collared shirts with Queensland stitched across the front, across the, um, the chest.
0: Yeah. That sounds pretty mint.
1: And they had very uh, sort of baseball knicker style trousers. White socks, full, you know, baseball, white socks and white shoes. That is a lot. I'm telling you. It's a lot sliding. of white. That's a lot of washing. <laughs> and there's a, a great, of washing. there's a great photo from the tournament, actually, of one of the players with her arms up in the air and she's just completely covered in mud, head it's to toe. The, just... oh, okay. We will put that one up. That is, that is so good. Um, and then New South Wales, which is my absolute firm favourite, um, <laughs> is, is described as a typical men's uniform. Um, Scandal. Did they well, show their ankles? No, 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 no. But they did. I mean, it was actually quoted at one point of saying, you know, they caused a stir because they came out wearing the same thing as their brothers would wear at baseball. And I think New South Wales responded with, well, we have to run around and slide, so this is what we're wearing.
0: Um, yes. And I'm looking at the photo of the Victorians and I'm not sliding in that. No. If the ball comes to me in the outfield in that and I'm wearing it. If I'm on the field in a dress, that's – okay, Let's. that's a start
1: – um, I'm not sliding in that? No, well, funny enough, a lot of the images I've seen is the Victorian slide head first, or hands first, not legs first. That's well, that's yeah. sidebar, sidebar topic. But so the New South Wales had um, great like baggy green type caps with New South Wales so stitched cool. across the front. I think some of the artifacts that I've seen in the museum of you know later baseball um, caps and um, cricket caps are all very similar. So I would assume that it's very much like the bag of green. They had um, collared shirts, like a baseball jersey with New South Wales stitched across the front. They had um, like knicker baseball knicker trousers, baseball socks and what looked like cleats on. So they had a real baseball-looking uniform. So, yeah, it did vary from state to state. Um, and like you say, I wouldn't have wanted to play in Victor- Victoria's.
0: No, I feel like I'm just – Victoria's is – we're not looking good. And we always joke, baseball's 90% looking good. And as you get older, the percentage goes higher, I can tell you now. But it's always like you want the – everything has to match. It's always about the swag. i yeah. mean I play baseball, but the yeah. swag. And I'm just like, Victoria's, what are you doing? It is a tunic. It is a flat tunic. I mean, it cranted, is a though, it was, I can imagine that would have been – well. They've got bare legs. It's probably a bit cold in Melbourne playing with that. I don't know what's going on. Come no. on, Victoria. I know,
1: but New South Wales, I tell you, just, they look the part.
0: So, New South Wales and Queensland look fantastic. Um, So we've got three teams, some looking awesome, some looking okay. Um, Who yep. are
1: these teams? Who
0: are these people?
1: Okay, how long have you got? Because once I start talking about these women, I get really, really into it and really passionate.
0: My laptop's plugged in. <laughs> and the battery's not going to run out, so right. how long have the listeners got to listen to this? Is more the um the patience to listen to us to ramble on about women's baseball. Yeah. Great. So
1: before we get into the games, I'll talk a little bit about the teams because I think it's it's in it's great to know who we're talking about when we get to the games and the things that mm. happen in the game. Yes. Um. So New South Wales had a team of twelve players. Uh, their captain was Kath Drennan, who, by all accounts, um has been classified as an excellent player, exceptional player, a great batter. She also coached the team. Um, so she knew the game inside out, had been playing back in the twenties. And then she continued to play for quite a few years. Um, and she was the captain of the Arnott's team, which was a really good team back then and won quite a lot and, um, played second base, but yeah, really strong player. Probably an older player um, to some of the younger girls, but yeah, a very strong what, player. What are
0: you talking? What are you talking to? Well, None look, of those older players now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, but you and I are the same age. So that's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, she that New South Wales was captain by by Catherine, and and that's an important name because I think some of these players, all of these players, deserve the recognition they deserve. But I mm. think some of some players in particular. Are really important and and really deserve to be known. Um, there is a there is a funny fact about her, but um, like we say, we don't know if it, if it's so PC nowadays. But I think I've heard a few players being described in in a similar way. But she was actually called Farlap. Had got called Farlap because she galloped around the bases so quickly. Now there's been other quotes that I've read. Suggesting that these women were so fast, they were like racehorses. So ah. it's not. I know there's a bit of a. You know, I'm not sure many women want to
0: be referred to compared to a horse. But if it's in a no intent... but we're
1: talking farlap. We're was... talking time
0: of farlap. So if time you're being compared fun. to farlap, yeah, yeah, he
1: was breaking world records. He was the fastest racehorse, and then you've got the reporters saying you're just as fast as Farlap. Like you are running that fast around the bases. So I think, it, I think it was meant well, but um, that's how she was described. I think
0: though it's cool. I think it's cool. Like you think you, we like Farlap is like just so for Australians. So if you're going to, like now you get compared to like, I don't know, whoever, like athletes, you get, that's like such a sign of the times to get compared right. to a, a whole, like I think that's, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So. And yeah. so she's really important. We can't not talk about New South Wales without talking about Molly Flaherty. So cricket fans and uh, in kinds of history and of Australian cricket will know of Molly. She was an Australian cricketer, test cricketer. She was actually um, believed to be the first women fast bowler. Um, she was nicknamed the Demon. <laughs> and she played between cricket and baseball. And um, she was exceptional. I just everything that has been written about her just says that she was unhittable. She's the finest pitcher in Australia. She just no one can hit her. Um, she's a marvel. The 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 you know the the quotes for her just go on and on and the praise for her. So she was she a
0: lefty or righty? And what was she? I'm just assuming she threw the ball fast.
1: Fast, uh, right-handed, I believe, um, and played for Australia in the cricket from the early 30s all the way through to 1950, actually. There's a great story about her in 1950 coming back and playing test cricket, and the first ball that she bowled actually snapped the bail. So she was superb. Sure. So we have...
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm facing her on a 50 feet. No, right? i I'm, I'm, No, nah, I'm subbing out. I'm um,
1: so so she was part of the New South Wales squad. So already with just those two players, you know, there was a strong calibre of, of players.
0: So they're looking good and they've got a chick that's breaking bales in cricket. Right. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're yeah. at the moment, they're, on, they're top of my odds. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've got New South Wales. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Victoria and I'll try to, to keep it reasonably short, but you can't talk about women's baseball in Australia for that generation in that era without talking about Betty and Gwen Hornerbrook,
0: the, their names are just even right worth it
1: Betty and Gwen like they, they're automatically my favorite so Victoria had 11 players they also came with a chaperone um Betty was there so Betty and Gwen were twins they actually started playing back in 1927 for Geelong so that that previous, girls competition that we talked about in in melbourne they were part of that and they played for the geelong girls um grammar school from 1927 up until you know the 30s and this carried on this carried on as we get um through the 30s up until 1940 a lot of the victorian players came from those schools and that's quite recognized so betty and gwen betty and gwen i just You know, their family had been really delightful in helping me um, try and research them a little bit further. Um, They were the superstars of women's baseball back in the day. And as early as 1929, they were recognised and photographed and put in the newspaper as not only baseball twins but these two players that were very, very good. Um, They – if you read the newspapers, if you read the sporting pages – Throughout the 1930s in Melbourne, you would have known of these two because they were. And everyone read a newspaper back then. Yeah, right. So you would have known about them. They were just. They were in the papers all the time um, to the point that they even had their own section on how to play baseball tips for players. Oh, they'd stop it. Yeah. So they had um, these wonderful series of photographs that were taken. And this actually. Babe Ruth had a very similar thing in the 30s as well. So whether they got the idea from that or whether we did it first, I'm not sure on the dates, but um, they wrote up how to field, how to bat, how to slide, um, where to hold. There's a great photograph of just their hands on a bat, like how to hold a bat. So to have that in the Victorian, you know, Melbourne newspapers, it wasn't coming from a man. It wasn't coming from Babe Ruth. It was coming from Benny and Gwen Hornerbrook. Who were these Victorian players? So I just think it's the absolute best that these two women really stood out as and, and they were excellent players too. They were excellent players. They made the Victorian squad all the way up until they they stopped playing. Um they were very dedicated to baseball. Um they both became umpires later on, and a really interesting, wonderful fact. They actually, in 1938, so we're jumping a bit here, but in 1938, because they were so significant to the All-Australian Women's Baseball Association, they created a trophy called the Hornerbrook Trophy. And from 1938 onwards, that was the trophy that you won at the Interstate Series. So they yeah. were that significant um, and that well-respected that this trophy was created to give to whichever state won now again that trophy
0: is that trophy? (laughs) anyone knows where that trophy
1: is because i cannot for the life of me track it down which i have been trying for some time um so if anyone knows of it in a in a cabinet at their um, baseball club because that's where it might actually be um please let me know because i would love to see it and take a photo yeah, um, or it's in that third
0: back row in that bizarre Dalesford. Right? Oh my goodness! It's some footy trophy, and no one knows what it is. I've
1: walked past it myself, probably. probably. And I've Yep.
0: We'll find it. We will. So,
1: yeah, Betty and Gwen. Um, I could talk about them for hours because there is that much information on them, um, and that many great photographs. Um, but Betty was the um captain of of the Victorian team, um, and Gwen was playing outfield. Betty was the catcher. So,
0: that. So I'm a Gwen. I'm am a Gwen fan. She's an outfielder. She, so I'm team right, Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I catch think These like my heroes. <laughs> um, yeah. Your team Betty. I'm team Gwen. It's like they're su- I love the fact that you refer to them as they're superstars. They're superstars in the 1930s. Females playing baseball. I'm like, yeah. Yep. I love it. And really,
1: if if I mean, I will compile at some point the amount of articles that I have on them. But it it's I don't know hundred plus. Like it's just. They were written about constantly. Wow. So they're really, really important characters in this narrative of the Australian Women's Baseball Association. So that's Victoria. Um, yeah, sorry. I'll just keep going on about them and they're just, they're fabulous. Oh, we
0: can go on about Victoria all the time. Wow, so look. We'll. we'll uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and so they're moving on to Queensland. They actually, they only came came down with 10 players and a chaperone. Um oh. Iris Skoda, who is another important person in, in, in this story, um, she was the captain of Queensland. She actually became, I believe, the first player to transition to being an umpire and took the first oh, cool. umpire's test early on. Um, again, catcher, brilliant. Um, <clears throat> great player. She came from a baseball family. Her sister, Till, played in the Queensland squad as well. Um, and queensland was really supportive of women's baseball and and the really supportive of their teams not only through media but just the amount of leagues that they had um and the the, the workshops they um, field days and, and and training and and trying to make the queensland baseball association um the women's association sorry as as fully fledged run by women as it possibly could be and they were really at the forefront of doing that so I think you know the Queensland squad was a really strong <clears throat> squad and really passionate about baseball. They had a um, they had a mascot. They were the only team that I know that had a mascot, and it was a penguin called Billy the Conqueror. So not even not not sure how Billy not came so many in penguins, right? Yeah, but he did. So penguins in Queensland, but yeah. So there you go. So they were the they were the three teams that met. Um, yeah, really good, strong players.
0: So we spoke about the players. What about the chaperones? Were they? Was there no drinking and no men like in the All American Girls Baseball League? Were there rules? Were they like? There did they, they didn't. There. They didn't do a. They didn't like make a vomit and go out to the suds bucket. Did look,
1: they? Uh, look, possibly, but probably down at the bolo, <laughs> not the suds bucket. Um, they did. They had a ban on on drinking and smoking, which was reported in the papers. Um, and they were told by their managers that they were not to consume any alcohol um, or smoking while they were on tour for the in-state series. So, well before the All American came up with that rule for those women, yep. they we had them in place here as well.
0: I'm, I don't love it, but the, it's such again a sign of the times of no smoking because I think everyone just they just, just smoked. lit up back then.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and it's like now. You don't need that band because no one would be smoking. No. I'm pretty sure no one on at a nationals no, now. No, no. Well, so we've got mascots, we've got chaperones, we've got Betty and Gwen. Betty and Gwen. We've got Molly breaking things. Yep. And now we get to go to the games. So three games. It's just short nationals. Like at the moment, the fixtures out for our nationals and it's only seven games. And that is very short. Yeah. But um, this is only three. But just on that. Yep. Do you know how these 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 state teams were funded? Do you have um, any documentation about that?
1: Look, there there is talk because obviously finances were were quite hard and as we get into the 30s some teams really did struggle. Um no, they did a lot of fundraising to help. Okay. The girls actually had to put um in money and I can't I can't remember what all it is now. It was like 5 pounds each or something. They had to fund themselves to an extent to get there. Yeah. And then they had funding through um, associations. But yep. in terms of, I know that the the body of the All-Australian, they governed the finances, but I'm not sure exactly where that, the flow on effect from that and how it came about. Okay. That's no,
0: interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> they probably would have been taking time off from work or... Yeah, all the fundraising, same same story as it is today. So it's like
1: – Yep. And boring. and they had to fund themselves, very similar to what, you know, you guys had to do. So, yep. yeah, it, it didn't, didn't change, unfortunately.
0: Well, Tuesday, April 17th, yep. opening game, Queensland versus Victoria. Yep. Which is – now it's usually New South Wales or Victoria is, like, one of the opening games. Oh, uh, like okay. Because domin- New South Wales and, and Victoria have dominated the – current modern era nationals WA's won a couple um, and Victoria's won a lot and New South Wales has won some so it's yeah it's always sort of like a classic first game it's going to be one of the first games of our 2022 nationals but we've got Queensland versus Vic
1: yep Vic gets up woo um, 13-3 they do they do um look I Victoria yeah was was a much stronger team um, they actually had to pitch over on for the first time for them <laughs> In this in this size of, of playing um, so even with that they they still you know they were kept still them to three runs they're much um, more dominant team um the players such as Bessie Smith she was a pitcher she actually pitched six scoreless innings so that's why she kept them to three runs so she was, so
0: she's six scoreless innings and she's just going hey I'm just gonna throw over arm now and not throw underarm
1: yeah yeah, a
0: fair effort.
1: And the funny thing about that was the catcher, the Victorian catcher, prior to this, only wore a face mask and a mitt, and um, after the first game, swiftly put on oh. full catcher's oh. gear. <laughs> so of course she, of course she did. Yeah, yeah. No, there was no mucking around there. She she got it straight <laughs> on. Um, a grand slam was hit, which was the first oh. one, by um, Annie McCauley from Victoria. So you know, it would have been a really good game. I I wish I wish I could have seen it because um, you know I'd love good pitching, love grand slams, um you know second base you know double plays. It it was yeah a good a good game of baseball.
0: And what, well, one thing that we've actually skipped over <laughs> is what were the length of the games. Oh,
1: innings wise, nine innings, full nine innings. Yes,
0: and this is very remiss of us to not. We don't play nine innings now. We play at a World Cup nationals. We play seven. So you're saying first nationals nine thirty four. They're playing nine.
1: Yep, nine innings, full nine innings. Yep, and they went to it every game. Oh, actually, one game I think they they stopped short because there was a big thumping. So um, yeah. Full oh, nine my, innings. They,
0: seriously, what are we doing now? These are my heroes. We need to be getting nine innings. Get out there. Yeah, so nine innings, Victoria, 13-3, yep. go the Blues. They're up Wednesday,
1: one. Wednesday,
0: we're up one, and now New South Wales versus Vic. Yeah. But, yeah, New South
1: Wales gets us here, 15-5. They do. Rainy day. Um, But for um, New South Wales, they had a very young pitcher called Eve Bond, and she was only 17. So they had her into pitch, um, and she opened by striking out the first two Victorians, which um Okay, I don't I'm not Team Eve.
0: She's striking out victorious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um she started off really well and then they brought Molly in, who then I think um I could think they couldn't hit couldn't hit Molly. So um, couldn't hit off Molly. So really New South Wales was really dominant in that game. Um mm. there were some home runs, there's talking about, you know, um Toppy Howell, one of the players getting a three bagger, which I just love the way they, they describe that. Top- Hoppy Howe getting a three bagger. I think that that right. sentence is, yeah. Isn't it brilliant? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, led by Kath Brennan, which in every game of New South Wales that you read about, she's mentioned as kind of leading the way and being so strong and supporting her team. And um, so, New South Wales, yeah, we're, we're really strong, played well unfortunately just knocked the picture lines off. And I think this, this is a great photo and I, I believe it to be to be Molly um in full stretch about to pitch and it's just it's great. You know, you just see the strength coming through and she's you know, they're in there, they're in there playing and it, it's really yeah, they're really great pictures. So so that was um game two, New South Wales up. So we won. Victoria's got to win.
0: New South Wales has got to win. So now we're down to New South Wales versus Queensland. Game three. They've they've won again. So damn it's Victoria. Yes. New South Wales are New now New South
1: Wales have won oh, the I first ever can't. Australian women's um, championship.
0: And you know you know that I don't have to publish this episode <laughs> because if I publish this episode now, all these New South Wales girls are going to be like, uh-huh, oh, we actually won the first one.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. Was strong. I think they were just a little bit shocked by it, but I'm going to say the overarm because you know victoria had been playing baseball for a long time, so they had they had the strength there. But yeah, mm. look, it was um, it was a great game. It it was you know there was great headlines about that being you know one of the best exhibitions of baseball that people had seen, um, wow. and quite a few people came out. I don't know the exact number, but it, it was there were quite a lot of spectat- spectators watching that one. Um and Molly yet again unplayable, finest pitcher in Australia, unhittable. Um so really, really strong game from New South from New South Wales to win the championship.
0: Congratulate you know what, they were the best. this just proves our point. They were the best dressed and they win the first national. See Victoria, you turn up in your tunics, right? This is go- that's what's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, you can't play in tunics when
0: you no. when you're you look good, you play good, you feel good, you look good, you play good. Congratulations, New South Wales. Nineteen thirty four. Or so are we is it the All Australian Women's Baseball Championships. What was the official title of the tournament?
1: The Um, the All Australian Women's Baseball Association Interstate Series. Interstate series. Okay. Yes. So
0: New South Wales championship champions.
1: Yeah, oh. look, they they there was a number of sort of ways it was um talked about and and, and called but essentially yep. yeah so that that was awesome. the, that was the series and, and 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 it was a good one by all accounts I wish I wish we could see it
0: oh my god surely there's got to be like this old vision that there's no sound and they're running really fast and it's just like well they filmed there's... file app
1: so surely they filmed this but um
0: Okay, that's, if that happens, we're going to put a video podcast of us commentating, watching that. Oh, that
1: would be good.
0: We've celebrated New South Wales. Do we know, what did they do on, did they have another town hall? Did the girls hit up the local, like I know what the end of Nationals, last night of Nationals is. It's one of the best nights going around. They're better when you win, I can tell you. Are there any ports of what they They, did? I
1: believe they got taken to a restaurant which was above, the now gone Theatre Royal in Sydney right near where Central Station is. There used to be a beautiful old theatre and me coming from theatre I can't believe I have forgotten the name of it, that's really dreadful. Um, But yes, they got taken to a dinner there and treated to a lovely dinner and it was a restaurant which is long gone, I believe it was a seafood restaurant um, which had quite a history to it actually as well. So Yeah, they got treated to a night out. So they've had
0: their seafood dinner; it's fantastic. And then, Australian team.
1: Australian team. I mean, Australian team. Yes, it's got.
0: There's just got to be something like first Australian team. They they're playing, so they're obviously.
1: Australian team.
0: Yeah. uh, So we're gonna go through the team. Um, Yeah. Where and again we go back to or we go forward to because we're times warping at the moment. We, yeah. current mm-hmm. Australian women's baseball era, um, first Australian team was selected in 2001 and went mm-hmm. to the first World Series in um, in Canada. Women's World Series was held for a few years, 2004, first Women's Baseball World Cup. There has now been um, a Women's Baseball World Cup every year through to 2018 and 2020 got cancelled due to COVID. So First Australian team that was announced grant. We selected the team and Victoria had won the previous nationals. 18 of the 20 were Victorians. Wow. 18. And there were two players, obviously not Victorian. We had two teenagers, Christina Kreppold from WA and Renee Stromides from New South Wales. They were both very young, very two of the best players I've ever played with and against. So, Yes, we go back in time now. 1934, first Australian team. I see seven New South Wales.
1: Yes. One Queensland, four Vic. Yeah, and I think think that's interesting because I feel like Victoria probably had a very strong team. Um, But I think New South Wales obviously were just Mm. so strong throughout their games that they got the selection. Um, What I find funny is that Betty... Hornerbrook didn't get in the squad as the captain and the catcher um of for Victoria. Team Gwen got in. I love Betty. I love them both, but it breaks my heart it <laughs> breaks my heart a little bit that um Betty didn't get in. You can't break the twins up. That is no. You can't break them you up. Can, yeah, and, and you know Betty, Betty and Gwen, they just were so good. Anyway, so um, I think because New South Wales was so strong that they did take those positions that perhaps, um, you know, the other very strong players in Victoria and Queensland missed out on. Um, so we do have the Australian team, Kath Drennan, captain of the first first Australian um, women's baseball team. And then, you know, all her teammates, you have Molly obviously, Flaherty, that made it in. So not only is she now an Australian chess cricketer, but she's also an Australian baseballer.
0: So that, again, needs to – we need to check that because we've obviously in the current era had quite a few softball, baseball, Australian um, combinations, Chelsea Fork and Lee Godfrey, people like that. Uh, There's no – this is the first cricket baseball. Right. Like that is –
1: That is awesome. And she was a big name. I mean, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say it took me quite a while to discover Molly's story and who she was. I just had the name and knew that she was this fantastic picture and then it wasn't until I looked into it further I was like, oh, my gosh, like this woman is incredible and has such a a wonderful history of of sporting achievements. So um, Molly was in there. The young 17-year-old Eve Bond from New South Wales was in there. They're both catchers from New South Wales were in there. Um, Joan Lewis, who is quite a standout player for Victoria and comes across um, in a lot of games as being a really good player is at first base. Kath Drennan at second. Winnie South, fantastic name, Winnie South. Um, big, All their names are just, I love their they're names. They're great, aren't they? Um, again, Winnie was a really strong player and played for a number of years for Victoria. She was the shortstop. Ida Dillon, um, again, a strong player for New South Wales, played third base. Marjorie Hedewick, um, outfield for Victoria. And, again, Marjorie comes up quite a lot in in years to come. And she's actually – she played long – I've even found her names in the 40s. So she played for for quite a few years. Um, Toppy Howe, New South Wales, outfield. Um, Donna Kulik, who was the only Queenslander um, and a a very good player for Queensland, was in the outfield. And then Gwen, also in the outfield. So that was the first Australian team. And look, from what I've read and, and, and all the information I've gathered, this would have been a good team. This would have been a really strong team. And I wish they had the opportunities to play international teams and, and just see where we would have, you know, been in, in, in that realm of competition.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny you say, like, there was discussions with, I think New Zealand fascinates yeah. me because I'm, I'm pretty sure the women's baseball scene over there is non-existent.
1: Yeah, time. so that was, or it's that was at the end of the 30s. That then. was actually booked in and planned, and then the war happened and they postponed it. So that that was, um, yeah, by all accounts, going to happen. Uh, that was penciled in. So yeah, that's a shame that didn't happen. But um, America and Japan certainly, you know, prior to the war, we still had really good relationship with Japan. And they were strong – they had a strong women's baseball association over there or teams and um, and same with America. So we – well, the Australian Association did what they could um, throughout the years to try and encourage that competition.
0: So at these nationals, obviously the day after uh, – a couple of days after the um, nationals is over and they've had their seafood, they've named their team – this team actually played a game. Yeah, they've played. We talked, touched on it at the start of the podcast, but they made up a play a team made up of the best players from Sydney. Yes. So probably a bit of a uh, ability gap there. Like, yeah,
1: and I think that's interesting that they didn't play a combination of um, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland. That was that was not selected. A, an A B team would make sense. So, um, and whether this was a way to encourage. Greater Sydney playing, whether it was to get more um, publicity. I'm not entirely sure, but that's how it went about. They had a team called the Metropolis, um, and unfortunately, they just couldn't stand up to the to the Australian girls. Um, so,
0: let me guess: Molly's on the mound. Molly's Molly's on the mound. Molly's
1: hate. on the mound. Uh, four scoreless innings. Molly pitched, um, and that's really. They just, I think, at one point they talk about her her pitches dropping, so they get to the plate and they drop, and the girls just can't can't hit them. So,
0: oh, great! So she's throwing heat and she's throwing like change ups and yeah. curves. She's
1: she's all over it. So yeah, Molly was a standout. Um, Kath Drennan was a standout. Winnie South was a standout, and Joan Lewis. Those players come up a lot when they talk about this final game, um, and just Australia really kind of whitewashed. At uh, the other time, the other team they didn't really have a chance, unfortunately.
0: I was right, they didn't have I don't think they had a chance before they started, but no, that's um, that's awesome. And so, technically, while the and we'll get on, so there was some nationals held 1930, so the first one in 1934, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, so it went into a couple of years yeah. of Second World War, um, the Second World War, but. There were no more Australian teams selected, so that's what. So is that the only team? And is like, is that the only game the Australian team
1: ever played? That that I'm aware of. So there was a an agreement made that they would not choose, They would not select an Australian side unless there was all states competing. And unfortunately, as the thirties went on, various teams, mainly New South Wales, just didn't have the funding and couldn't compete. But, however, in 1938, they did have all three teams. And by that point, they had also invited WA to come over, which, again, they couldn't get the money. Oh. But there were there were invitations to other states to form, a, you know, to come under the umbrella of the association. Um, so I don't know why. Um, that is something that I'm continuing to look into as to why they only played that one game, why they weren't selected in 1938. Um, but as far as I'm aware, that's the one... Game that the Australian women's baseball team played in
0: 1934. Wow! Yeah. Like it's so it's so amazing. Like just that there, there was one game. It's so disappointing yeah. that there was only one game. Yeah. Like you think of you think about like the fact that it was in the 30s. Again, we've talked about the depression and it's gone into world, the World War Two and then obviously it's cut short and it's kind of like women's baseball. It's kind of just started at the wrong time
1: you know if had the depression not sort of hit so and I think New South Wales really struggled being in Sydney and the depression hitting really hard there and um, yeah you know if the war hadn't have happened where would this be because there's some of the associations were still around in the 40s and they kind of pop up again in the late 40s um, a couple of games here and there but baseball was strong and even with the introduction of softball, in 1939 in Australia, from what I can tell, it was the Women's Baseball Associations that introduced softball um, and brought these exhibition games to Australia so that young girls could play it in school and it could be a safe game for them to play in school so that then they could transition into baseball. So, so
0: softball was almost like a pathway for baseball? Yes,
1: yeah. Wow. And there were, you know, there were some... States and associations that kept saying no, softball needs to be a girls' sport, not baseball. But, but really, baseball was a very a very strong women's sport, and and it was um, it was recognised as that. So it wasn't pushed mm. out because of softball. Um, it it it, it found its demise because of the war. So, had the war not happened, I mean, obviously, yeah, uh, it would be really interesting to see where. The leagues and the associations and those players would have been, and 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 how far we would have got.
0: And because that's the thing, you say that that's propped up some of the players' names and some of the associations were still going in the forties. Mm. So after World War Two finished in forty four, what then happened in the fifties? Was it the softball that took over in the fifties? Yep. Was it Australia for a woman in the nineteen fifties? I'm sure it would have been great. No. And,
1: you know, there was, I think there was some sort of transition between the end of the war and going into the 50s where women weren't expected to do the things that they had previously done. Um, And without sort of getting into the politics of it, I think, there were things that softball has to be a, a girl's game now. Like that's what women should be playing. It's gentler on you. It's easier on you um, with no disrespect to softball at all. It's a fantastic game. Of course, No, it's fantastic. Um, it's legit. So yeah, I don't, I don't really yeah. know why it, it didn't take back up because there were so many people playing it. I mean, there were so many women playing it in the thirties and the twenties. Um, it, Maybe just that, that generation of women got older and the younger girls were playing softball and weren't there wasn't that that just influence to, to transition to baseball and, and have these women because by that point they'd probably got married, had kids, moved away. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's it's a shame that it didn't continue and I don't really know what at what point it was like, no, we're not gonna do baseball anymore.
0: Wow. So do you have any records of because so you look at that late 40s and it, and, it, and we'll talk about the all American girls in a minute but the 50s through to the mid 90s that's a long period no. of time that's yeah 50
1: years yep yeah. and when when I do my research into these things and I type in certain things and I look up certain things there's there's not a lot there was the the New South Wales um, Association was around again a bit later on, and the Victorian one certainly was, um, and there were some summer competitions and some winter competitions, both in the late 40s and early 50s, but not to any extent, and perhaps they were bigger, but they were not reported. So in the 30s and the 20s, it was in the newspaper. every every t- Every day there was a game, it was in the newspaper, and then the score was in the newspaper the next day, and it, it, every week there was a write-up, so, it's possible that these competitions continued. We just don't know about them because they stopped talking about them. Um, mm.
0: Well, definitely in nineteen mid nineties when the Victorian Baseball Association then started, that was that was the first of its kind, right? Because it's they just they just put a call out to all the clubs and said, "Who wants to put a team in? We won't charge you." They just expected maybe I don't know, five to ten teams. They only like fifty, and that's. Where the Victorian league started, yeah. and then after that, all like obviously New South Wales, and we've obviously got leagues in every single city now, which I kind of think about whether or not just, it kind of mirrored what was going on in America, because obviously the American um, women were actually banned. It was actually written in they couldn't play Major League, Base- Major yeah. league Baseball and they voided contracts um, of women. Um, and then obviously there was nothing through to, I mean, we're. Obviously, we know the Silver Bullets and obviously Isle of Borders and people like that in the 90s. So it's kind of like we just – women's baseball kind of was nothing for 50 years. Like it's just –
1: Yeah, it just dropped off. It just dropped off. And I think that's – when I started to read about this, I was so blown away that it was so big here. You know, I would have expected that perhaps we played it along with, you know, playing cricket and playing tennis and all the other sports that that women, you know, did – but to see, especially when you see the the photos, this was so big and so regarded um, and so many players across the States. There was just so many players. Um, so it's, you know, kind of like you, it blew my mind to, to know that we had this this really strong association going on for, you know, before even before the Australian women's, you know, a good 10 years of, of older women playing or, you know, women playing. And then prior to that, so many young girls across Australia, in Tasmania, in WA, in, in, in Sydney, in, in Melbourne, playing baseball. Um, so it's a shame that it, it, it dropped from that, from, you know.
0: And to be entrenched in schools, it's like a dream.
1: Right. Like
0: to be women's baseball competitions in schools. I mean, Japan has the – in high schools, it's one of the reasons they're so good. Not just the numbers that they have, but – but i still got a question Mm. for you. So the Nationals through to 1940, obviously the war's on, and that's the whole reason that the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League starts over in in the 1940s. Any Australians, did they play? Did they try to play? Did they –
1: yeah. Look – I would love to explore that further. Um, I know that, you know, later on in the, the World War Two here, there was a lot of young brides um, that moved to America. So there is every possibility that one of those young women that moved to the States um, played. But, you know, that's a very good question, and I can imagine that Carol Sheldon will probably know the answer to that one. Um but I don't know. I don't know if there is an Australian was, I don't know if there was an Australian playing. Um, I know that, that Betty and Gwen travelled to um, England at one point, And again, which was reported in the newspaper that these twins were going on holiday and that they were going to talk about baseball when they go over to England. Um, so I know that, you know, they were trying to promote it they were talking about it. But, yeah, in the States, I don't know. don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. That's, that's what, the yeah. next episode if I uh, if we can work on that one.
0: That is an, that is I tell you. If there's an Aussie that plays in the All American Girls Professional Baseball. There's going to be like a whole series just on her. She's like, yeah. It'd have to be. Oh God, I hope there was. But I can't believe that we've, <laughs> we've sort of come to the end of yeah. this episode. That's
1: only yes. The the that's only just the beginning of I mean baseball the women's baseball in Australia but that's just the beginning of the association and um you know there's still years to talk about after that so
0: I'm so excited like that we actually have again we're able to share these stories like it breaks my heart that you think about this I'm not sure that we would still have any of the players still alive from that era and it's kind of just how these stories haven't been told earlier. It's just sad. It's so sad to me. It is.
1: And I, you know, when I started to look into this, because there was a conference for um, women in baseball around the world. And I, and I thought, well, what about our history? Surely we've got, you know, you, you have just all the knowledge on the modern stuff. And, and I thought, surely there's got to be a little bit more, like a little bit deeper, a little bit further back. Um, and I, it appears that a lot of this hasn't been told. And it appears that, you know, although some, you know, people did know that there was an association form and stuff, but the stories of these players, um, it seems like they haven't been told before. So I'm so thrilled that we are getting an opportunity to bring them to life again. But I don't imagine that any of the players would still be with us, unfortunately. Um, and maybe some of them have journals and maybe some of them, Told stories to their children or relatives or friends that you know. Hopefully, somewhere along the grapevine, um, this might, you know, get some get some memories out and get some stories out because yeah. they should be recognised and and like all women, baseball players in Australia, they should be recognised and they should be told, talked about, and their stories told. And you know, if we had a women's baseball Hall of Fame in Australia, that would be the dream. These women, along with you and your players and your teammates and and the women that are coming now—they they should be in in there because their achievements were were mm. significant and fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's certainly coming up to the nationals as well. You know, the twenty-first being the game that the Australian—it was the first um, Australian game—is going to be. I think is it that the final game?
0: We've got the first nationals in three years yeah. after COVID, and we've got. The twenty first is going to be the gold medal game. Hopefully, New South Wales doesn't
1: win these nationals. No, I love
0: New South Wales, but I'm born and bred Sydney
1: person, and I moved to Melbourne. I hear. I'm, I'm. I still say that Melbourne is my um my heart home. So I'm with you there, and I just hope you know maybe maybe the girls when they go out and play on the twenty first can just tip their tip their cap to those women that came back in the thirties. Um, as cheesy as that sounds, I just uh, I just I'm so proud of our history um, that we have for women's baseball and I just think it needs to be shared and and out there
0: well as you said just how awesome those women are I just want to say how awesome I think you are because (laughs) what you've done thank you is it's absolutely phenomenal Uh, you've sent me just a tiny percentage of the stuff that you have and it's blown me away. I just want you just have to keep sending me stuff.
1: I'm oh just, look, I'm thank gonna... you. I'll talk about it for till I'm blue in the face. And thank you for for engaging this and being as excited about this as I was. Um and am. Like every time we sort of have very briefly chatted, we're like, oh and this and oh and this and I think, you know, other people are going to be like that because this is just such fantastic history. And um yeah, these women, we just we've gotta we've gotta find their stories and get them out there along with your stories and and the stories that are to come and they just they need to be told and um mm. thank you it i makes, really appreciate that
0: um I, I am i'm so impressed with what you've done because it's kind of like you've documented the first part of the australian women's the history of australian women's baseball and it's like i've been everyone knows like they joke how much stuff i've got in my brain and my computer and i just have all the facts in my head about the current era and it's kind of like it's a, it's so awesome i think between us we've kind of yeah, like it, it, it shouldn't be up to us, but it's kind of, yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love it, and I know that you're going to keep building yours, and I'll keep building mine, and we we'll see where it takes us. And I know that you, we've discussed more podcasts, so we're going to plan more. We'll see
1: if people, podcasts. yeah. There's, I mean, there's so much. We could, I, yeah, we could just do so much, couldn't we?
0: We're gonna, okay. The next episode, <laughs> we're gonna get the. It's going to be Team Betty, Team Gwen, and it's going to be basically we're just going to tell the story. We and can we're do gonna that. See who. Who's going to win between, because I'm all team Gwen. Um, <laughs> oh, look. I'm not sure which is which, but I and I think it's amazing to, so to shout out to the family um, that have assisted you there. And again, if there's anyone listening and you know anything about anyone that may have played in any of these,
1: absolutely, uh, even if they're sadly not with us, if they have anything. Even if you see, maybe in a baseball club, I remember seeing many years ago in Melbourne, you know, in a trophy cabinet and they had, you know, a signed ball or a trophy, if- if you just happen to see one at a baseball club and it's got a, a female name on it, you know, just have a look, have a look at it. If the name
0: sounds like a name from the thirties, like a Winnie or an Ida or a Gwen. That's it.
1: You know, and, and, and not even up. just the old, all Australian, you know, these other competitions that they were in the twenties and thirties, they had all their own trophies as well. So that's a whole, that's a whole nother story about, you know, the Arnott's winning and the Nestle's team winning and they had their, their own cups and trophies. So there's there's stuff out there and we're going to find it and we're going to we're going to share the stories. So. We are. And, yep. again,
0: I'm amazed we actually got the podcast recorded because, in all honesty, it's just kind of like you and I just going, a blah, blah, a blah, blah, a blah, like just So excited yeah. to talk about this stuff. I'm surprised we actually just didn't talk over the top of each other for two hours. So. pretty good. So thank
1: you for listening if anyone is still <laughs>
0: listening. If you are still listening now. You've done well. Because I like to throw these little things in because Tani Lovering did a shout-out if you were still listening. She actually – Came through. With the oh, she came. And, um, she did. Yeah. If there is anything that you would want to give away, I know you don't, but maybe we can come up with something. If you are still listening, you desperately want something at the end of this. Message us, and we will find something. All we right. Don't know what it
1: is? Yeah, I'm we sure we will. can. We can find something.
0: It'll be a printout of Betty and Gwen. It'll be a Betty and Gwen's guide to how to hit a baseball. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Absolutely. They should It'll have their something. own
1: book. All right, we'll we'll do something for sure. Sorry, yes. but yeah, no, thank you again.
0: Um we will definitely be doing another podcast and I am yep. I thank you it. so
1: much for um sharing this story with me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining me for another episode of women's baseball, The Inside Pitch. Really hope you liked today's episode and if it was your first, welcome. Make sure you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes with some of the great names and stories from women's baseball all around the world. Catch you next time.